What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 78, Hello Bass Bass Fishing Podcast. This week, we're talking to Troy Didi, who recently, just 12 days ago, caught the new South Dakota state record smallmouth bass. Seven pounds, four and a half ounces, massive fish out of Lake Oahe. He's going to tell a story. We're going to talk about how we met, talk about a lot about things bass fishing, finesse fishing. The audio was a little bad for about the first seven minutes, and then I make a mic adjustment, and then it should be pretty good. So if you can't handle that early part, just fast forward a little bit uh, and enjoy the episode. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, we're live. Another Wednesday night, HELLABASS Live. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining. We got the man, of as of late, Troy Didi with us tonight. Uh, what's up, Troy? How's it going? Good, good. How we doing, Rich? Good. And if you guys didn't see the thumbnail, Troy caught a mammoth record-breaking smallmouth. Just was it like ten days ago now? What is it? Uh, yeah, it was the uh, what was it? The sixteenth? Yeah, it was the sixteenth. So like two Fridays ago. So anybody in the chat, let me know how's the uh, the audio uh, for both Troy and I in the video. Make sure it's good before we get rolling too hard. What's up, Darius? How do we sound, buddy? Good to see you here. Darius has been sneaking up to Lake St. Clair a little bit, so he's he's probably no stranger to big smallies. And he catches some decent ones on Kentucky, too. All right. So we'll break that down. I'm low and his is high. Let me uh, try turning this up a little bit. It could be my mic was looking weird so i tried going up a little bit doug so let me know if that helped otherwise i might just have to yell <laughs> lance is in the house what's up lance oh hey lance long time no talk if that's the same lance hildebrandt that i know yeah i assume that's one of your uh south dakota buddies right i believe lance is from south dakota yeah yep I don't know. My mic seems to be acting up. So, what's up, Sycamore? Nice. Yeah, people are rolling in. Cool. Uh, before we get too far, I just want to thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the stream and the channel. Uh, you guys know the drill. You guys can use code Hellabass15 support uh, Arsenal as well as me and the channel. So, I don't know. It seems like my audio is not getting turned up when I turn the mic up. So that's awesome. Maybe I'll just have Troy talk and I won't talk. So, Troy, why don't you start and let people know how we met, where we met. Give them, give them the story since your sound is better than mine. Who? What's that? Where we met, uh, where I met Lance? No, me. Oh, where I met you. Okay. Yeah. It's not about Lance. Sorry, Lance. <laughs> uh, so, Rich and I go back to uh, 2014. We fished the Bass Nation National at, uh, where were we at? Duck Dynasty Country 
the Wachita River. There we go. Yeah, so we uh, we fished that event together, um, and we just kind of just stayed in contact. I don't really, just, I suppose, through social, and we've kind of ran into each other at a bunch of the regionals uh, um, over the last what six six years, seven years now. Um, so yeah, we just kind of stayed in touch. We're only what five hours. You're up by the cities, right? Just south of the cities. South of the city, so you're only about four hours from from Sioux Falls, where I'm where I'm at. Yeah, and so we actually fished the same northern regional, although I don't know that we really like met other than we held plaques next to each other and maybe shook hands. Oh yeah, Lake Monroe. Yeah, I forgot about Lake Monroe. That was, uh, you know, that. The... <laughs> Well, well, there's there's some memories that you know you try and drown out those days where you're going for one fish, you know. You come across the scales with one fish. Memory. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, that was that was an that was an event where uh, Lake Monroe, Indiana. That was you go for one fish, one fish a day, and you're going to be in like the top five. <laughs> I fished for, uh, well, that's the, uh, that's the same event where I lost, um, I had this old Skeeter boat and, uh, I didn't do a very good job with, uh, preventative maintenance and whatnot. But on the way to that event, I lost my tire as a single axle, single axle trailer. And, uh, so yeah, I burned, uh, I burned a spindle on that one, had to replace my whole entire axle and, uh, got there the got there a day a day late and then that day my uh my uv or my uh whatchamacallit u-joint went out in my truck and then i had a headlight go out one of the nights and then on the way to pick up my wife from what was that town bloomington i think it was like bloomington where the airport was yeah i went into uh town i was driving with one headlight driving into town to pick up my wife and uh i was like i'll stop at walmart or whatever pick up a headlight well so i'm driving through those curvy hills with one headlight my other headlight goes out so i'm driving with my fog lights i can see like 12 foot in front of the truck i'm just like oh man that was just one of those crazy events and then i went like four day four practice days without catching a keeper fish and that's when i was like you know what if i catch one fish a day at this this event one keeper fish I might have a shot because all the other guys were saying the same thing too. So hmm. it was, it was pretty wild. And did you, you fish as a non-boater in that or you were, a, it was draw, but, or did you fish as a boater? I fished as a boater. Yeah. I had my Skeeter, oh, I had you know, my Skeeter actually, boat. You know, yep. But didn't you fish with Corey Brandt the last day? Did you catch a, a big one off a beaver hut behind your, behind he, the other? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I was did. my buddy. Yeah. From Minnesota. Oh, oh, it was. Okay. Gotcha. But he was a, he was the non boater fishing in your boat, but he was taking his four hours at that time and. Yep, yep, yep. I think that day that was, that was I, that was one of the days I caught two fish. So I just I mean I I was on fire. <laughs> yeah. But two fish in that event was like more than most people caught in three days. So yeah, I it was uh, in three days. Oh yeah, yeah. It was that was. That was the toughest lake I think I've ever fished. But you know, the the day you missed the practice was pretty good. The well, of rainy, course. Like, 
I, I would have had 19 pounds the first time I did this. <laughs> On a buzz bait, like I was catching big ones on a buzz bait. Whoa! And a jig. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what I caught my two fish on uh, when I was fishing with your uh, that Corey fella. Um, I was throwing a buzz bait, and it was it was crazy. I threw that buzz bait like forty six times at that beaver hut because there was not a lot to throw at on that lake, yeah. and uh, just all of a sudden, six pounder comes and woofs this buzz bait. <laughs> So I fished that, that beaver hut every day of the tournament. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yep. It was I got uh, some around it in practice. <clears throat> okay. How's the audio now? Because I switched to my laptop mic, so the quality is not going to be as good, but hopefully the volume is better, and then we'll figure it out for next week. Yeah, it's it, it bumped up quite a bit. I don't know if your audience can hear, but for me, it bumped up quite a bit. Yeah, we got the Sassy Angler from the Midwest Angler Podcast. What's up, Scott? Bailey's in the house. What's up, Bailey? Nice. So, yeah, that was cool. I mean, I mean, it was a grinder event. Not a single person, I don't think a single boater in the tournament caught a limit. Maybe there was, I don't think there was one. The high school teams, one of the teams from Illinois or Ohio caught a limit together. Yeah, um, yeah, they like 14 pounds or something, and we we're all just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so like it was like I want to say eighty ish guys, give or take, for three days and not a single limit. And yeah. only seven guys caught a fish each day out of eighty. Yeah, I uh it's something I caught, like that. It was crazy. Yeah, I I remember I think day one I caught one, day two I caught two and day three i caught one or two i think i only had like five fish and i tied for second in a regional event <laughs> so yeah it was uh it was extremely tough yeah there was a the guy that was leading minnesota caught a seven and a half pounder the first day yep um and then he caught like and he got two fish the first day like a seven and a half pounder and a keeper and he caught one the next day and that put him at like 11 pounds <clears throat> And I needed like, so I was like going into day three, I was probably like third or fourth. Uh, and I was like three pounds back or three and a half pounds back. And I caught, I think two or three keepers last day that would have been pretty much exactly, you know, in my head, it was like, that's well, like if he zeros and like other people don't catch him, like that's exactly the weight I need. <laughs> and I weighed in first, like on the team and I took the lead and I was like, well, that's great. But you know, one of these other five guys is going to catch enough. And like everybody right. either zeroed or caught not quite enough mm -hmm. and i finished like fifth overall in the tournament or something like that yeah those are the tournaments where i mean it, that lake had big fish the the wednesday night before it took like 26 pounds in a wednesday night tournament or something like that yeah it, it, it was anybody's game at any point in time i mean you could come in with zero fish on the first two days go out and whack 17 pounds and win your win your yeah. state you know it just it was just one of those legs so then we, we go down to the watchtower river and that's where we kind of like actually started talking and chatting and seeing each other at the hotel and riding the bus and getting to know each other a little bit and then like you said we bumped into each other on the lake and at the the we the weigh-ins and the meetings at probably what three or four regional since then yeah somewhere around there yep uh, we fished Monroe, I think back then would have been late August. 
late August or early September, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, I think it was in I think it was in August. That's when they were holding those those regional events. Because then the uh, nationals was in was it November? I think it was the first week in November. Because you didn't have a lot of time yep. to prepare from regionals to nationals. Because I was I was already running short on vacation time from work. <laughs> yeah, and then you. you I remember correctly, you moved on. You went to the Classic that year, right? Yeah, yep. yep. That was Hartwell? That was Hartwell, yep. Right. That was, uh, I might as well just pack my shack for that one. <laughs> that was, was that the one that was the record-breaking? Yeah. Well, you should be used to that. You're from South Dakota. You yeah, that. well, you know, when it's nine degrees out, uh, we we usually have an ice shack in tow, you know, not, not a boat. <laughs> And they say, "Hang on, we're gonna before we before we put your boat in the water, we're gonna we're gonna rock it back and forth." So, what are you gonna do? You're gonna we're gonna rock it back and forth. You're gonna rock my boat back and forth, okay? Yeah, all the boats are froze to the trailers; they can't get them off. <laughs> so, it took like a half hour for the first couple guys to get their boats. You know, the carpet just adhere as soon as it froze up, it just adhered to the gel coats on the boats, and and it just float the trailer. And uh, the guys couldn't get them off. The water was like 39 degrees, and it was like starting to skim over in a bunch of areas. Right. Just, it was wild. You drive all the way from, you know, north country here, all the way down to uh, Hartwell, South Carolina. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, 50s, 60s, maybe some 70s. Now, how about single digits in an ice storm? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. But that, uh, yeah, that, that one didn't go the way you wanted. I feel like that happens to a lot of guys in their first classics that uh, doesn't. Uh, how was that? Like, I mean, was that like big stage? Do you feel overwhelmed? Did you just not have the right deal? Like what, you know, without dwelling on seven years ago, what, what was the classic experience like? Yeah, I mean, obviously the competitor inside was kicking and screaming. Just, I mean, I couldn't put anything together. Practice, I had, a, I had one really good day where I had, you know, about 18, maybe 19 pounds. Um, but once that cold front hit, I just, I, I was uneducated. I didn't know how to make adjustments. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that really, you know, uh, from, uh, you know, going across the stage standpoint, that really hurts to come across, you know, with zero fish, but Hey, it's, it's the classic to get theirs is, um, it's, it's an honor. Um, it is definitely overwhelming. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for that at all. Um, and I don't know that you ever really fully are. I guess if I make it back someday, maybe we'll see if I'm a little better suited to, to make a run at it. But um, it's it's just an amazing experience. They they roll out the red carpet for you. And just the, the type of people you get to meet, it's, uh, yeah. And then to fish with fish right next to some of the people you watched, you know, when you were a kid. You know, you're rubbing shoulders with them and be like, you know, it's hard not to be, you know, kind of starstruck, but it's uh, it's a pretty cool experience. Hope I hope uh, I hope I get back someday. Yeah, well, you've been knocking at the door. I mean, kind of like me, we keep seeing each other. Have you made a national since then? No, I made uh, not on the bass side. I've made two on the on the Federation side, um, but not on the bass side yet. I've come. I usually get in the cut the you know I usually squeeze in the day three cut and then I I've ended up second a couple times and I I think I ended up third once 
Yeah. And uh, so I've come close. I just I haven't I haven't got back yet, but I'm I'm still trying. <laughs> yeah, well, you got another shot here in what a month. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, we'll be uh, yeah, just down and down river from you. I'm still waiting for somebody to back out so I can join you down there. But you uh, are you an alternate? I'm alternate, the 11th right? guy right now. So, uh, <laughs> gotcha. which there's only 11 guys in South Dakota, so that's not. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, we we pretty much we just draw out of a, out yeah. of a hat. We don't yeah. even we don't even hold a state championship or nothing. <laughs> so. <laughs> since, since D is pretty high in the alphabet, you pretty much make it every year. So every year, every year, it's like D. It's it's almost a default. <laughs> but I suppose maybe we should talk about this smallmouth. Um, that's probably what people really want to hear about. Um, so we said it was the 16th, um, like maybe before, but like, and then the day before, like maybe before we like get to that, the day before, you caught your PB smallie, right? <laughs> yeah, you know that's what, what a lot of. Yeah, that's what a lot of people don't know is. The day before, that's really kind of where it started, was on that Thursday. It was late Thursday, and um, I, you know, I, I was catching fish. We were pre-fishing for the the Bass Federation State Championship, um, and we were catching fish. Just weren't really weren't really dialed into the right caliber of fish. So um, there's uh, me and another buddy his name is justin heidinger i think i've seen his name scroll across here i call him dinger but he had a, a buddy fishing with him he had a co-angler fishing with him and i had a co-angler fishing with me and um you know so we kind of we kind of work together and bounce a lot of things off each other and so i kind of know i have an idea what else you know what's all going on out there between the two of us we usually put the pieces of the puzzle together fairly accurate um and I knew that I was not on the right stuff. So I was just kind of throwing, you know, Hail Marys out at the, towards the end of the day on Thursday and uh, come on this one spot. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot and hook into this nice fish. And, and um, get it in and, I'll, you know, and I'm looking at the scale. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a this thing's over six pounds It's like six point three nine. And uh, just then, my buddy Dinger rolled up, and and uh, I told him I just caught a tank or smallie, and I dropped it in the live well so I could snap some more pictures. And so we got some pictures. Totally forgot about taking any. Like I thought about, like, hey, I got I should have took girth measurements, you know, more right, more measurements in case I wanted to get a replica made. I totally spaced it out. I just we took some pictures and and let the fish go and i was a little bummed out because uh it was just like 0 0.04 pounds short of my dad's personal best fish so i was like dang i you know come close but didn't quite get him so uh you know and at the end of the day dinger was saying man that could be that could be the fish of a lifetime you could fish for the rest of your life and never catch a fish like that ever again so uh except for, except I, for maybe tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so you know i just went you know got done what we just called it a day after that and went back to the campsite and later that night just i was like god i gotta get on electronics and do some do some map studying 
and try and figure out why that fish was where it was and just see if it was an area thing, if it was um, an actual like contour that that fish was, you know, focused on. Um, so I just plugged in, you know, four or five or six new waypoints for the next day and went out the, went out the next morning. Well, our, we tripped the, uh, tripped the breaker on the cabin. So my batteries didn't get charged. So we ended up kind of hunkered down for a couple extra hours at the cabin trying to charge the batteries. And, uh, so we were, we were a couple hours late to get on the water Friday morning. Yeah. So and, when you said you were doing the map study, uh, were you doing like contour shading and little, like what was, maybe give a little more on that, like what you, yeah. what you were looking for and what you did there. Yeah. So really what I did, so I, I run the Lawrence HDS lives and with the, uh, the, the default mapping tool is C maps. And so within that you can basically custom color shade all your chartography. And that's, I did, what I did was I figured out where that fish was at. And then I changed that key depth to, I changed the transition from like 16 to 20 foot. I changed it to like a hot pink color. And then anything over about that 20 foot, I changed to a white. And so really what that did was it really made those areas pop. So you look on a map and everything else is kind of dark colored until you get to the hot pink and the white and in those transition areas that's where in the in that hot pink and that white color that's where i found them fish were really really stacked up and uh that's what i focused on you know the rest of my practice and then during the tournament that's what i focused on as well yeah and I, i've been doing the same thing with lake master for years like when i go to a Especially the bigger bodies of water, right? Like you fish the little puddles around your house. I don't think it's quite as valuable. But when you're going to these bigger places where we have regionals and state tournaments where you've got, it seems like, yeah, like you find, you know, in the largemouth lakes, if you find, you know, you get bit in the grass and 14 feet, right? Or 17 mm-hmm. feet or whatever it is. Typically, unless the lake or the clarity or something changes in different sections of the lake, you can kind of highlight like, okay, I was 17, maybe I'll go plus or minus two feet, right? I'll highlight 15 to 19 and put right. that green and you'd be like, all of a sudden, like things just like, oh, that hump, right? It has a huge green flat, right? Or right. like, or this point makes a nice swing, right? And it like really makes things obvious where those key fingers, swings, you know, coming off flats that have that, that depth area that works and you can be surprised how quickly you can pattern and run fish and find new water that way. Absolutely. And, and, and two, you know, you can, yeah, like you say, them smaller lakes, it's a little tougher. You know, a lot of the, the small lakes we got around here, are just soup bowls, you know, we really don't have a lot of contour, but you get on a lake, like well, you get on the river in general on the Missouri river, uh, especially Lake Oahe, um, you know, you got 370,000 surface acres of water to try and, break down so it's not like you can uh you know open a map and, and put it on your kitchen table and try and look and see what you got i mean you can but it's just a small chunk and a small snippet of the river um so to be, be able to do that from you know a digital you know a digital stance um a digital means you're able to really just dial in and, and zoom in on those areas and really see and, and they darn near if once you get it once you get the pattern dialed in you get that depth contour set 
it almost jumps out at you. It's mm-hmm. it's it just breaks it down. You can look in at you know the mouth of a bay or whatever and be like, okay, well, right here's where I need to be. And you can put a waypoint there and go there. And within 30 yards of that waypoint, all of a sudden you catch a fish. And then you know, okay, well the pattern. You can just run that pattern. You know, upriver, downriver, or on a lake. Yeah, or you're like running back and you're like, hey, I got 20 minutes left, and all of a sudden you're like within sight of the landing, and all of a sudden you're like, oh. Look at this bright pink area over here. I'll just yep. swing in there. Yep. Yep. Use every last minute. And uh, a lot of times the fish are, you know, if you're catching, a, if you've got a key depth where they're at, it might not, you know, it might not matter exactly. You know, you might not have a, a, a specific section of the lake that you're going to catch all your fish on. They might be just completely scattered in a random stop. You never know when that fish is going to pull up, especially this time of year when a fish is going to pull up out of 60, 70, 80 foot of water and it's feed time. And, um, so if you got that extra five minutes or that extra 10 minutes, you know, at the end of the day to stop and make some casts, you know, you, you can, like you said, you can just look on the map quick and be like, Hey, I'm going to spend it right here. Yeah, absolutely. So that was day one of practice, and then you've got all these new waypoints for day two, and a, and a, and a huge amount of confidence probably all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> how did your uh, day two, like, how did day two unfold, and and uh, how did it lead to the the, the new PD? <laughs> yeah, so we got, like I said, we got out a little bit late, and I passed on the way down to this area. I was, I was, I was like, all right, I'm gonna start about where I caught that six and see if it's an area thing and see if I can just, you know, set up a milk run on these, you know, on these little mini points that are coming out. And uh, so I ran down river. I passed my buddy Dinger on the way. He was kind of sitting in some calm water and uh, come across the, come around the corner of the river, headed downstream and got on this, got on the same area, just probably three or 400 yards away from where I caught the six and I didn't make 10 casts and I hook into a, I hook into this giant and um, I didn't really know uh, until about probably 90 seconds into the fight when things, you know, it started to kind of come together that, Hey, uh, this might, this might be a, another, you know, another big, <laughs> big smallmouth. But you just never know. I mean, sometimes them three pounders, they give you a run for your money. Um, they're just strong, crazy strong fish. Um, but it was setting up, you know, the, the way it was fighting, I was kind of like, okay, uh, this could be this could be another big one. And it come across uh, what they were doing was they would just kind of skirt across the top of the water. And they, they, they couldn't jump or maybe they, maybe they just didn't want to. I don't know. Um, but, uh, it would just swim. It would just turn sideways and it would just slowly just kind of glide across the top of the water. And there's nothing I could do. I was throwing, you know, I could just hold pressure on them is all I could do was finesse, you know, finesse fishing seven pound test, gamma touch fluorocarbon. Uh, so I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna manhandle this fish and it just, uh, it just took a while. <laughs> it was probably yeah. two and a half minutes. And I knew that once it come across the top of the water, I knew that, okay, it might be, it's probably a five pound, five pound plus fish. And, um, 
you know, the closer it got, I got it within about 15 yards, and I was like, oh, it's maybe, and maybe this looks like it could be a, a, a pretty healthy five. And then once it was about 10 yards away from the boat, I kind of realized that, hey, um, this is like, this is up over, up, up over the six pound class. And, um, and then once I got it, you know, of course I didn't have a net, you know, so I reached down, you know, once, you know, do the, the, uh, the whole belly landing experience. Once I, I reached down and I picked it up and I'm just holding it under my arm like a football. And I just looked down at this thing and I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is an absolute giant. And, uh, I was just, I just didn't, I was like speechless and I started shaking right away. Like <laughs> I, was, I was just in awe, you know, I was like, what in the world is going on? You know? And, uh, you know, we, we, I grabbed the scale out cause I was like, this could be, you know, bigger than this, you know, the one I caught yesterday and it looked bigger and, um, and got it on the scale and it was like, it was pretty choppy that day. So it was like bouncing around between 7.08 and 7:42, and so I'm like, I can't get my scale to lock. So I fill live volts up, pump the oxygenator on high, run up river around to where I got it, got back into calm water, and um, that's where where I'd passed Dinger at earlier in the day, and figuring maybe he was still there, and uh, he wasn't there, but mm-hmm. got over there. I weighed it, and on my hand scale, it locked at 7.23. And, uh, I was just, I was like, Whoa, uh, that's, that's like right, right there. You know, I knew the state record was like, I couldn't remember what it was actually. I was like, I knew it was like seven, two or seven, four, maybe seven, three. I can't, I couldn't remember. Right. And, um, I'm like, what do, you know, I was asking my co-angler, I'm like, what do we, what do we do? And, um, <laughs> there's Eric storms. He jumped on. Thanks Eric. Yeah. Um, asking my buddy Dinger, I was like, you know, I called him up. I was, I, I didn't even tell him what happened. I, I just called him up and I, I was stumbling, trying to find words. Um, I just asked him, Hey man, can you do me a, can you do me a huge favor? And he's like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, everything's okay. I'll, I'll, uh, could you, could you come over where you, where I seen, where I passed you earlier? And, uh, he's like, okay. Uh, I'll be right over. <laughs> so he comes up and his co-angler is, uh, his name is Ron. And he's like, what'd you do? Call us over here to tell us you caught a seven pounder now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. It shows over seven on my handheld scale. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if my scale's messed up or what, but so I, we put it on my buddy's, uh, put it on Dinger scale, and it was to the hundredth of a pound. Is seven point two three is what it locked on his hands, hand mm-hmm. scale, and uh, we sat there for about I don't know twenty minutes probably. Just I'm like, what do I do? I'm pre-fishing for a tournament. I had registration later that night. I, I'm still trying to like dial in, dial into the to the uh the pattern yeah and um i'm like i don't want to waste a bunch of time but if this is a state record fish i don't want to you know i don't know if i want to pass that opportunity if it if it's there 
and um and those those guys that were with me they you know they pretty much were the ones that said hey if you don't do this if you don't make a call you might regret this for the rest of your life and that's when i knew like i had to make a call in and and figure out what what i needed to do so what do you think is the more improbable thing that you caught a seven pounder or that your cell phone was able to make a call in hawaii <laughs> well well it's uh yeah that's uh that's a, yeah it is not known for great uh, cell phone reception in that area but i will say this if you're west of the 212 bridge a few miles um you, there is there is a little bit of cell coverage it'll drop in drop out but you can still yeah. you know you can still make calls and whatnot but beyond that like no, there ain't. There's nothing. You're on your own. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> yeah. So what? Uh, so you, you you were able to make a call. You called the what is it? The Fish and Wildlife or whatever in South Dakota, and they they met you somewhere. Or how's that all work? Yeah. Yeah. So the way it works is, and, and we didn't know, and I didn't know this. Um, so this was all new for me. Uh, but if you guys ever get in a situation where you think you might have a state record fish, uh, one of the things that you need to do is find a place that has a state certified scale. And most bait shops have a certified scale. There'll be a little calibration sticker on the side of the scale, and that sticker has to be up to date. It cannot be out of calibration it cannot have an expired calibration date on it. Um, most of your bait shops have those. The other thing that that the other place that has those types of scales are typically grocery stores. So a lot of times those grocery stores have those scales for weighing produce. So that's another option. But you have to find a place that has a state certified scale. And when you go to weigh that fish it needs to be recorded video video on video yep so the gal at the bait shop there at uh, south whitlock she took a video of it and my buddy dinger he t he videotaped the whole thing as well the second part of the process is that you have to meet with a state uh, game fish and parks biologist and he doesn't need to be there to see anything on the scale. He just needs to be there to basically verify that, hey, uh, you you did catch what you say you caught. It was a smallmouth bass. Um, so he just comes, identifies the fish, and then he fills out. That's the guy that does the official state record paperwork. And sure. then he goes back to the bait shop and watches the video of it being weighed and all that stuff. So um that's really all there is to it it was um probably about i'd say about a two-hour process mm -hmm. somewhere somewhere right around there um so it really wasn't it really wasn't too bad i didn't lose a, a ton of time it's maybe like two and a half it probably could have got trimmed down to two hours if we didn't take so many pictures but <laughs> it, uh, i want to make sure we had a lot of pictures and then i got a really cool picture i seen you throw it across the screen there me uh, me and, and the four buddies uh, or the three buddies that I had 
uh, that I had with me. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, my buddy Dinger to the right with the sunglasses on. And then, um, and then on the way, right is Jefferson Lehman. And he's the guy that was the sales rep for Toetector for quite a few years, but he's my pre-fishing partner this year. And then on the way left is Ron Dillon. He's a Nebraska guy. And so it was kind of a conglomeration of effort between, you know, the four of us to get this thing, um, in and weighed and certified and all that stuff so uh it was just awesome to have you know all three of them guys along with me on this it just made you know just made the memory that much that much greater yeah <clears throat> cool <clears throat> and so do they always have like a biologist on like <laughs> were you just fortunate he was working that day or <laughs> was there, like a of those and i mean I no know. no so um the the local biologist was out of the office that day he was he wasn't working so um the gal at the bait shop jessica she got a hold of she had a call down to fort pier which is uh i can't remember it's probably like an hour and 20 minutes maybe like an hour and a half maybe um so he, that that guy that biologist had to drive up to you know up to he met me at the 212 bridge ramp because i wanted to keep it in the boat and keep fresh water running on it and you know, keep this thing alive so I could, so I could take it back out and release it. Yeah. Awesome. So what, what were the measurements like on this? How long what was the girth? <clears throat> the measurements. So, um, the girth was 19 and a quarter. The length was 20 and three quarters. And I don't remember what the tail and gill plate were, but, um, yeah, but no, this, that's, was, that's cool. Yeah. It's an impressive fish in the summer, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, had this fish been caught two months, yeah, yeah pre-spawn, yeah. it's well into the eight pound, you know, and it was pretty thick to begin with. I mean, it like, I was looking at it going, I wonder if this thing didn't even lay eggs. It might, it might just be absorbing them. I don't know. Um, but they were chasing big bait. I mean, they were chasing big herring, like 10 inch herring. And uh, we caught a couple, you know, th even like like three pound fish that had big giant herring tails sticking out of their gullet because they couldn't get it. You know, the bait fish were so long they couldn't get the whole bait fish down in their gullet. So there was, uh, you know, a good two to three inches sticking out of the back of their throats a lot of times when you when you get them in. So the herring always been there, or is that kind of a newer thing, or? I'm not, I'm not real sure about that. Um, I don't know when they introduced it into the, into the fishery, but it seems like right now there's a lot more of them. Um, we were watching them just, it was kind of funny cause you get in a couple areas and all of a sudden you just see this, like this eight to 12 inch bait fish screaming <laughs> across the top of the water. And right behind it was like five, three to five pound small mouse hot on its tail just chasing as fast as they could <laughs> it's like and, and it was like you cast to them and they wouldn't hit nothing they were just they were just focused on that bay fish i mean it was uh and you didn't you couldn't pick up a line fast enough to get to them they were just hauling the mail yeah like so we had lyle on like a month ago talking about right and this was his pre-spawn smallie yep like can you imagine if yours was that thick <laughs> yeah would it i i mean if it was that thick it would have been oh gosh probably eight and a half pounds yeah that'd be nuts. i don't know 
I don't know. And, and those and and where Lyle caught his, those, you know, horseshoe like it's. I guess it's no secret, but those those fish feed on the rustic crawfish. Sure. Those those crawfish. There's millions upon millions of those crawfish in there, and in the summertime, you know, in the early summer, you can walk. I mean, the bottom of the lake is. It looks like it's alive. I mean, they're crawling everywhere. So those fish don't have to go very far to get to eat at all. And then they're, you know, up in that area too, the last how many, ever since I can remember, I've been fishing it for about 15 years, but the leopard frog population is, it's unlike anywhere I've seen. I mean, you drive, a, you know, you drive the roads at night, that black asphalt road on a cool night, there'll be thousands upon thousands of frogs just jumping everywhere you can hear them bouncing off your vehicles hmm. just <laughs> it just gets crazy thick up there so them fish uh there's no food shortage going on where uh you know up in the, them glacial lakes of south dakota up in the northeast part of the state nice yeah so back to the catch so you said you're using light line yep. uh we found a drop shot a ned <laughs> yeah, I was uh yeah, I was throwing a Ned. Um I was throwing the Eco Pro Tungsten Ned head um 7 pound tu- 7 pound test gamma touch line and the Dobbin 701 Sierra. Um and as a loose uh, loose custom pro uh 200. Um just just had to wear that thing out. There was uh there was not a whole lot you can yeah, there's not a whole lot you can't you can't just uh, reel them in like you're throwing, you know, 14 pound or 16 pound test on a, you know, on a magnum tube or something like that. That was another thing. That was kind of my my backup tactic was throwing okay. magnum tubes. Um, that's something I like to do there. But. Straight floral or braid to floral? Braid to floral. Yeah. yeah. Ten pound ten pound braid to seven pound seven pound uh, floral. Yeah, ten pound braid, seven pound floral. And, uh, how long a leader do you like for your Ned? Yeah, I like to I like to uh, just get right inside in between that first big eyelet and the reel. I don't like to reel the knot down into the down into the spool. Um, five, five, six foot. Yeah, leader. about six, probably about six foot. You know, maybe just uh, yeah, probably right at about six foot. Yep. Alright, we got some. Some biology, I guess the says the uh, the herring are up and the uh, smelt are down. Stocked in the eighties. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, there's Dinger bringing us some good some good uh, info. So what what weight are you using to get down to sixteen to twenty feet on your net? Um, I'll go as light as ten a tenth ounce. Okay. Um, but I was I was just toggling back and forth between a tenth and a sixth. Um, if I needed to, you know, if I seen some fish busting, I'd pick up that sixth. Or if I was in just a little bit deeper than that twenty foot, or I or uh, it was or, or if it was windy or whatever, I'd pick up that sixth. So I get you know I get somewhere in a hurry. Otherwise, that tenth really takes a long time to get down to where you know where them fisher are at but um sometimes that slower rate of fall is 
what I've learned that that'll trigger some of the better better quality fish. So that the seven oh one is kind of an interesting choice. Like that's surprising. Because mm-hmm. like I bought a seven oh one to use as a hair jig rod. Yep. Uh, but I for like my neds and all that stuff, I use the two power. So it's interesting that you choose the, any reason you like the one power or what's the yeah. That... Um, so let me tell you a little story here um, about uh, the last year that every every uh, everybody in the marine world has faced. Everybody in every world has faced, I guess, sure. part shortages. Right? We've all yeah. had part shortages. So um, I last year all year I threw a six ninety two, the Sierra Micro six ninety two. I threw it all year long, caught a ton of fish on it. And um, at the end of the year, I, I kind of just unloaded all my stuff. I was like, all right, I'm going to start with new, fresh stuff. Well, shoot, you th- there was nothing in stock. And so I'm like, man, I was maybe, waiting maybe, for the six. Maybe I should have checked before I sold my stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wasn't very smart. I mean, it, it, it was just one of the things where I was like, all right, I'm going to start with all new, all new gear. And uh, so I, I sold off a lot of my stuff. And I was like, oh man, I love that 692. And, and there was nothing, there was nothing. I mean, I don't even know if the 692 is, it's still, I don't think is in, it's been out of stock for like nine months. And, um, and the next closest thing I seen come on was that 701. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try that 701. And the thing that I've really learned about it that I really like is that, you know, to get that cast out there it's that extra you wouldn't you wouldn't think three inches on a rod doesn't make much of a difference but i'm gonna tell you it does big time it makes a big time difference it'll be you know it'll be at least a a 10 maybe even a 15 yard difference on on a cast um not that that's what i was focused on was making long casts but if i seen the fish you know across the top of the water chasing chasing um you know bay fish i was i was made i was at least making a cast to see if I get one going. But, uh, you know, that 692 is one of the rods that I use, um, that I use all last year. Love the rod, um, drop shot or Ned. I mean, and you could do the same thing with the 701. Um, I really, I found that the 701, I thought maybe I'd sacrifice a little bit of sensitivity going with a longer rod and just a little bit lighter, you know, a lighter power. Um, but really I don't, I, I haven't found that I've lost any sensitivity. Um, you don't have to really even just hanging it over the edge of the boat. You know, you really don't, a lot of times you, you want to be a a line watcher or, or watching the, the tip of your rod, but, um, you know, you can just, as long as you keep a finger on the blank, you, you feel it every time. Yeah. No. So if anybody has a 692, you can uh, hit. Troy up on uh, Facebook. 692 <laughs> micro. Has anybody got a 692 micro? I'd really, I'd, uh, I'd give you some, some, some de- decent bucks for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's, that's good. But yeah, I, I would, I mean, I think, so is the 701 not a micro, is it? No, uh-uh. Yeah. Nope. It's not. Nope. That 692 is just, I mean, it's just, it just feels like, it just feels right in your hand. I mean, there's just something, I mean, you can, you can, there's a lot of rods like, oh yeah, that, 
you know, this one feels comfy. This one's super comfy. In the 701, it feels it feels comfy, but that 692 in the micro, I mean, it's so light, so aerodynamic. It doesn't, you know, you don't have like a lot of wind drag or anything. You know, it's just it's there in your hand. It's crazy sensitive, and you just, I mean, it's effortless to uh, maneuver around to just flip baits out. if you're drop shotting or or if you're just Ned rigging and hitting you know little small targets just boom 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 super easy super fast accurate just feel everything i just um so when that comes back on i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna have to clean them out this time <laughs> yeah i don't know i i almost been around there seven or seven four like i like the longer rods for that kind of yeah thing. yeah well if you get a wild hair i mean even if you know if you do any shoot i've i've taken that 692 like crop we do a lot of like light jigging for walleye in the early spring and that works really well for that um yeah it's just an all-around it's just an all-around beat down rod i mean i've caught several five pound fish on it um, it's it, 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 a workhorse but that 701 is still in the shoes for now um i've definitely grown to like it and it'll probably keep a place in the rod locker you know going into the future um so I'll hang on to it. If you cut the front guide off, you could probably turn it into a 692. <laughs> well, uh, maybe if I slam it in the lock, rod locker. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if you like accidentally that. break the tip off, maybe throw a tip on it, you might find that it's just like the 692. <laughs> but, uh, uh, maybe that's why I keep, a, like, I have, like, an abundance of Dobbins rods that are, like, 6 to 10 years old, and I just pretty much use them until they, like, die or i break them or something and then i replace them so yep yep oh cool and so you uh you seem pretty uh tight-lipped about the bait you got a secret bait for wahi that you're not talking about yeah i i do i mean it's obviously a plastic that i put you know put on the ned rig it's something that i've done real well with on a wahi um so i i mean i'm not i'm not going to give that out but uh, you know, uh, it's definitely it's definitely a plastic, you know, bait fish mimicker. Um, so, is it, so is it a traditional plastic or an elastic plastic? Elastic. Okay. That should get people. They can start to that narrows it down, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Nice. And are you throwing a? Would you say more of like a a green crayfish? brown or more of a bait fish color more of a bait fish okay there you go cool um so then i guess did you go you went back out and practice in the afternoon did you catch did you dial in what what did you learn in practice after you uh got done with the shock and awe (laughs) yeah so i i went um i went back out practice you know i think uh gosh probably i think i had maybe like four hours maybe four hours left so took the fish back out to the exact same spot that i caught it and um and then i just really stuck around that area and tried to dial in some other you know similar mm-hmm. wait you know similar uh, contours that set up like uh like where i caught that six and that seven and I didn't catch any, you know, I didn't catch any fish of that caliber, but I did catch, you know, I did catch one about four and a half and 
and a few threes and I'm like, okay, well, I think I found a decent starting area or one of the areas I want to focus on. And, um, and then I just kind of branched out from there and tried running some other stuff that, uh, that I hadn't, some of the traditional stuff, you know, like the Mark Daniels Jr. spots from <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, those seem to hold fish, uh, you know, th- this time of year that just that part of the river, that summer pattern holds true. Yeah. So then two date was a one, the two one day qualifiers, right? There were two separate tournaments you had. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, the way South Dakota, the, the bass federation does it is they do a, uh, state championship and a trail rolled into one event. So you, you could pay to fish, both the trail and the state championship, you could try, you know, that way you had two avenues to try and qualify either through the points race on the trail, um, or through, you know, the top standings on the state side. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was two events rolled into one, um, ended up, I think I ended up second. I ended up second on day one. And then I think like fourth or something on day too and and uh, overall in the state cha- on the state championship side i ended up second for total combined weight and then uh on the angler of the year i ended up i ended up winning the angler of the year on the on the trail side on the points race so, so double, double qualify for semis uh yeah yep yep and i i had actually um i had actually qual had qualified already before this event because they have a deal where if you win one of the trail events you are automatically qualified for the semifinal. so i had won an event earlier in the year at big stone um i think that was like back in june maybe um early early june i think we had a two-dayer out there and i won one of the days so um, i was already qualified just i just needed a couple strong finishes to try and make up some points i was a little bit a little bit down on on the points on the aoy and uh so yeah yep so uh, what kind of weights did it take to win out on oahe yeah uh so brock Bielik, he is uh that guy is he is a pretty pretty stout fisherman on the river really anywhere but he was pretty dialed in what was going on and it was kind of funny because uh brock found the same he found the same fish i found uh pre-fishing so uh we uh we were rotating spots yeah we well we were uh we were right next to each other we weren't playing bumper boats but we were right next to each other the majority of the two days so (laughs) so he had one stretch that had really good numbers of fish and um he's got the he's got the pan optics dialed in i was fishing you know i was fishing off a 2d quite a bit um but you could tell by day two they were they're feeling some pressure in those areas but that uh that pan optics that's really a big big player um you know that forward scan technology technology is a huge player on the uh on the river right now um and uh that's gonna be that's gonna be tough to beat you know you don't have grass you don't have much for trees it's you know and it's at summertime then fish they're suspended up and uh not all of them but a lot of them are suspended up and when you can just scan around and see what's out 100 foot to the left 100 foot to the right and watch the arrow and know exactly where to cast 
that's the deal. So that's going to be huge when the elites come here next year. So no active target on your boat? Um, actually, I just this week got the active target installed. I've, I've had mine on back order since February, March. I don't know. Na uh, Navico is way backed up. When I talked to him uh, back in February or March, the guy that I talked to, he said there were 10,000 orders behind. So I don't know if there's like a if that if there's some sort of chip or something that they were short on or who knows. I mean it's you know, it's part shortage in, in the industry which we've all faced. So um actually uh me not being very smart, um I I just stuck it out like, okay, well it'll get here. Um but I didn't think didn't think of it until a, a bit later. I was like, you know what, maybe I should call the guys at the bass tank and see if uh I just signed on with them this year. Maybe they could, sure. uh, maybe they could flip me a unit because all the retailers got them in now. Um, probably like two, three weeks ago. Uh, can I trade you for one that's coming? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's you know, I talked to John Soak up at at the Bass Tank, and and um, he treated me really well. Just said, hey, just send me send me un your unit when it comes in. We'll get you one so you can get going. And uh, the the semifinal is coming up next. Uh, what is it? September, I think, on Okaboji. So I don't know if it'll be a player there, um, but I'm I, I got a lot of learning to do. I'll tell you that much. I took it out yesterday and kind of played around with it. And man, I got some I got some things to learn. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so I don't. Know, did you say what were the winning weights? Were they like twenty pounds, twenty? Yes, pounds? it was uh, twenty. It was twenty-one pounds. Brock had twenty-one pounds. Just steady Eddie, twenty-one pounds day one and twenty-one pounds day two. And uh, he ran away with it. I mean, I, w I came in second, and I was like, I don't even remember. I was like six pounds or five pounds behind him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had like 19-something 19, 19 on day one. Unfortunately, I had a dead fish, and it cost me half a pound. And then day two, I had a dead fish, so it cost me half a pound. And um, But, yeah, there's – I mean, he was he was dialed in. Yeah. I, I okay. That's a couple things. I ordered a, a Mega 360 in March that I'm still waiting on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I just got done fishing a tournament on Green Lake and Spicer, which is out west of the cities, and it, it was dominated by guys with live scope. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's it's one of those things, you know, especially on these these bodies of water, these bodies of water that don't have a lot of you know vegetation or a lot of the you know the timber and whatnot even with even with timber i mean the live scope comes in super handy so you can just pan around and see them within it but um you know with these open bodies of water or you know fish are up on rock piles or anything like that i mean that that technology is just i mean it's hard it's pretty tough to beat i'm surprised it's not outlawed yet <laughs> i'll say that like <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I actually heard a story not that long ago that these trail cams got outlawed in Arizona for hunting. Really? So, I mean, when you hear something like that, that scares me. Like, like you could see local legislation against, I mean, that's not much different than Aquaviews or Ford. I mean, like, if they can do that, right? Like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, well, congratulations if I didn't mention that before. What a great fish. Thanks, uh, thanks. 
the so kind of Oahi, right? You said twenty one pounds a day. I forget. Is it early late same time of year or early August that the elites are coming? Um, I think it was wasn't it late? It's sometime in August. I can't. I think it was maybe I mean, later. time range. So I mean, you can. I mean, like, right? So I mean, I think seventy to eighty pounds if they get decent weather could be very realistic. Um, oh, oh, absolutely. I, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, it's gonna take. I mean, later the later in the year it gets, it's just gonna get better and better and better. Then fish are just gonna be feeding up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see over eighty pounds. Yeah, unless they get some bad wind days where they can't. If they if they get some bad wind days, um, you're gonna see weights diminish. But I mean, it's uh, it's Oahe. It's it's got. I mean, it's healthy right now. Right? I, and and the- we'll. St- on the climb right like it's getting better don't you think oh absolutely absolutely yeah it's um it's been getting better oh my goodness probably i mean it used to just well put it this way in 2011 i won my first state championship as a co-angler and my average my average fish over the course of two days in that state championship was under three pounds mm-hmm. for my average fish. So uh, that was 2011, and we probably started seeing some 20 pound, 20 pound bags start to come in about 2016, somewhere right in there. 2000, somewhere around 20, TVF, 20, northern 20. Right. Yeah. Right yep. 20, 2015, 2016, right in there. We started seeing bags coming in, you know, right close to that 20 pounds, if not just a, just a touch over. And, um, you know, it's just getting, it's just getting more and more. We had a tournament there this spring and there was guys bringing in 22 pounds. I think Eric storms was on here a little while ago. He had, he had a big bag this spring. He had 21 something, I think. Um, and then day two of that tournament, some, there was a guy that had 22 something. So, I mean, it, it's, it's just getting, you know, part of me is like, well, maybe it's the electronics are starting to be a little more of a player, uh, helping guys pick fish out. But I, I really think that the bait fish population that's coming around is really, you know, really ramping up the, the size of the fish. I mean, everything's healthy. You catch, you know, the walleye that you catch are healthy. The salmon are healthy. Um, you know, the smallies, they see even, you know, even only being, you know, a month past spawn, I mean, the smallies are, they're pretty well fed back up. I mean, they don't have, there's not a lot of them that have, you know, that, that concave belly anymore. They're already, they've already found enough, enough food to kind of fill right back out and they only get bigger as the fall goes on. So, you know, uh, I, you know, I'll throw this out there, but I mean, somebody might catch like a 24 or 25 pound bag in that event. Um, we haven't seen it yet at the state level, but it's definitely possible. I mean, you put a, you put a six pounder and a couple fives in, in your, you know, in the boat and a couple fours and Hey, you're right there. So in your guys' tournament, were you, did you guys go out up here or did you go out of, up or wherever? So this last event, we went out of West Whitlock, which is uh, to give you guys some uh, some sort of 
relevant location. If you go in between like Pier and Mowbridge, it would be like a little past halfway. So it's about where the, it's right where the 212 bridge pretty much crosses the river, right the um, which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, right. It's right in the, right in the heart of the river, right in that bend, right. In, I right call in it the bend. Z, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. I call it the Z. The river just kind of makes a, uh, makes a Z there. So, um, it's down from Mowbridge. I don't know, probably eh, might, might be about 30, 35 miles down from Mowbridge and up from like, up from like Spring Creek where we normally launch. Yeah, there you go. There's a good map. Spring yep. Creek is way down here, right? Yeah. Yep. Spring Creek is there and where, okay. Mowbridge that's, is where that's that where they were got. last time the elites went, right? And that's where a lot yeah. of them Yes. Yep. That's where we launched out of. Uh, that's where the elites launched out of for, for that event in 2019. And uh, right where you have that white dot is about where, that's what. Yeah. That's West Whitlock right there. And so that bend right in there where that river makes a Z, right in there. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of areas right in there that hold fish. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know a lot of those elites that launch out of Mobridge. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those guys end up making that run, you know, that 35 mile run from Mowbridge on down to get down, you know, around that 212 bridge. But there is some good areas up around Mowbridge. Um, you know, it's not out of the question to put together a, a, you know, 17 to 19 pounds right out of Mowbridge. I haven't spent a lot of time up there, but I've seen some fish up there to know that you know there there can be some pretty good bags weighed in i don't know if you can do it four days in a row i don't know if a tournament could be won out of the mowbridge area and i haven't spent a lot of time north so i can't educate you too much on that but that yeah. southern part that central part of the river there around the whitlocks area it's got uh it's got some fish but the one thing is mowbridge is quite a bit closer to this area than spring creek is oh absolutely um, and uh I know when when I fished there, like the good fishing started about right here. <laughs> yep, at the mouth of the mouth of the Cheyenne. Yep, yep. yep. And then this first bend, and then even up here, and like my bass cat being older, I really couldn't fish much past about right here. <laughs> and get oh, back. you run out of gas? Yeah, because uh, <laughs> like you can tell them, there's literally not a gas station between here and here. No. There is not a single marina between there and no. there on this system where you can get gas. Right, right. Yeah, and just to give you guys a little reference from where, uh, from about where Rich has his mouse to just go up like an inch there, Rich, right where the river kind of dips. Uh, go up, up, up a little further. Uh, okay, down. Right at the lowest point where the loop is. There. Right there. Yep, that's called Bush's Landing. So to get from where the mouse was to where the mouse is now, that that stretch of river that's a 45 mile run yeah i was gonna say 30, get, 40 miles at least yeah it's it's a 45 mile run it's bushes landing and uh that's an area that it can hold fish it seems like it's a little more inconsistent um than a lot of areas but that that can also be you know you can have some 20 pound days there as well i don't know if any of the elite guys will make a run that far that's you know that's a pretty heavy commitment that's going to be like you know that's going to be like from Mobridge, you're probably looking at 90, probably close to 90 miles. But um, there's some, there's some, I could, you know, 
I could see some guys fishing around the 212 bridge area and then saving their last two days and making that long, long run and getting further downriver by Bush's Landing or even the mouth of the Cheyenne. Yeah. If they have enough gas. Depends on which boat they have. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like, it's, it's not like you, you see these like huge runs at like Winya Bay and and uh, Sabine, but the thing is like there's places to get gas and it's it's right. shocking. But they're literally yeah. within. Could you could you open a like a temporary like one week uh, marina and sell gas to elite guys and make money? <laughs> like just back a tank truck right down to the. Uh, uh, right here at Bush's Landing, and be like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm licensed. Just have like a maybe some sort of like mobile gas station where yeah. you're like on a pontoon boat with a big old tank on it or something. <laughs> Charge ten dollars a gallon. <laughs> That's the thing is like this place is an emerging fishery. It's got big smallies. It's got all the bait, and it's so vast that they're. Mm-hmm definitely are untapped giant smallies oh yeah absolutely and even like you know the local guys you know myself included we're still learning right we're still learning what this fishery is even has and uh i don't know that we've even tapped into you know 10 percent of its potential really to be honest with you and electronics are really helping us break it down and, and learn it and figure it out you know um you know there's a lot of us you know it's kind of a well you've been there before it's a pretty vast area like there is there's not a whole lot up there uh so um you know you can you can go 10 miles and not see another boat not see another house not see another anything that is living <laughs> Yeah. Maybe other than like some bushes, it's like the moon, like the moon with small mouth. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's just a gorgeous area. I love it up there. The water is just—it's just gorgeous. It's pretty, you know, pretty blue water. Got a little green tint to it. Just a, you know, just nice, clean, clear water. Um, man, it is. It, it is. Uh, it's good. If you need water therapy, it's a good place. I just wish it wasn't like three and a half hours away from my house otherwise i go there more often than i do but um it's a lot of fun there's a lot to learn there so have there been many tournaments out of Mobridge? do your guys circuits ever go there is that a place tournaments don't really go out of or it is uh you know last year was the very first time out of um all of my years of fishing which would be uh i've been tournament fishing for about 14 14 15 years now um, that was the first time we ended up out of Mobridge. Um, and that was a bat, that was a Bass Federation event. Um, the Bass Nation events have always launched out of Spring Creek or Cow Creek, which is just one up from spring. Um, but, uh, majority of the time it's, it's down river down, like where the elites launched out of when they were here in 2019. So Mobridge is pretty new. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot there that, that, um, is untapped um and it's predominantly a walleye fishery when people say lake oahe they aren't thinking smallmouth a lot of times they're thinking walleye let's go for trophy walleye um because there's 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 big walleye in there there's there's a lot of you know 10 plus pound walleye in that fishery um but when people say mobridge they're they smallmouth is not the first thing that's on the back of their mind you know it's it's uh it's walleye so but the smallmouth are up there 
and uh, they're getting real healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, like, honestly, the handful of guys that fished there last time, it's almost going to be useless. They're taking off so far away that unless they basically ran as far north as they could during that tournament, that will be about as far south as they can go mm-hmm. because of gas. Yep. Like, it's almost like a yep. brand-new fishery, uh, basically. So the people that are complaining about, hey, we're going back to the same fishery, you're really not. You're basically going to a new fishery. That's a very true statement because the other thing that and, – and, and it's too early for us to tell right now. But the other thing that we need to take into account is water levels. So when we were there just a couple of weeks ago, the water was down like 10 foot hmm. from like its normal summer pool. So that's really going to – that, you know, you can pretty much throw away about – 75 percent of all your waypoints when the water fluctuates that much because them fish are in totally different areas um they might be you know they might be on different points or or slid off they might be on the same points but slid way off and in a different spot that you normally catch them you know where you thought you had a you know a hot spot rock pile on this one point you know and next thing you know it's in two foot instead of 10 or 12 um, it's no good anymore. So you got to kind of, you got to kind of relearn it when you go there. And I can't remember which article it was that I read. I don't know. I think it was maybe like Greg Hackney was saying like, Hey, I erased all my waypoints. Like I don't even go back, you know, I don't even keep waypoints. I just, I just go back and I learn what I, whatever I, whatever the pattern is, I want to learn what the pattern is. I don't want to, I want to go back and fish the same spots that, you know, held fish seven years ago when I was there. So it could, you know, it could very well be, uh, it's a whole, like you said, it's a whole new lake. It's a whole new ball game. Um, I don't know, but, maybe if I went back there, my waypoints would be good this time. Yeah, <laughs> it could very well be, you know, and day to day, you know, smallmouth or, you know, uh, anybody who's chased smallmouth here knows that, um, you know, here one day, gone the next, you know, that the notorious joke is, you know, when you when you really get into smallies, you know, put a waypoint on the put a waypoint on the graph, and never go back. <laughs> yeah, avoid that so, spot. That spot's burn. <laughs> so, um, but now it you know with with the way you know especially the summer patterns, majority of the time them fish, they you know when you kind of find them in an area, they don't they don't go too terrible far, and they really school up big time. So. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be running down. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be very many guys running up. I could be very, very wrong. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of lot more guys running down, I believe, than there are guys running up. Sure. So have you thought this through that all you have to do is go to lacrosse, right, and, and do well, move to nationals, Mm-hmm. and uh, win nationals, then you can fish uh, an Elite Series event on your one of your home bodies of water. That's it, Rich. That's it's it. pretty much that. It, it's really <laughs> just laid out that easy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you thought that through or not. Yeah, I I have. Um, you know, as much as I want to, uh, as much as I want to get in the elites, you know. Um, but that's the that's what we all fish for, right? That's the cool thing about the Bass Nation opportunity that we have um just fish in the nation you know we we all have that opportunity and um you know it have 
that's all you can ask for is to have a shot and you just you do your best you put yourself in those positions to um, make the most of what you got uh, uh maybe some divine intervention along the way and you never know yeah i mean and then you can get so i mean there'll be all kinds of things right uh, welcome thomas good to see you better late than never all right so i mean you can you can go lacrosse do well and then uh I'm not sure where nationals is but then you win that, and then you can get revenge on Hartwell all at the same time. So it all it just lays out like a, a movie script when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's there. I mean, the opportunity's there. Just uh, you know, you think about it. It's, we're, you know, only two good tournaments away from uh, having a chance. Yeah, and I'm sure none of you. I mean, I'm sure all your South Dakota buddies will just roll over at lacrosse and let you move on, right? Nah, they're not that easy on me. They, they, <laughs> they, uh, they, they're going to be gunning for it too. So I'm going to have to bring my A game. Didn't they change the rules now? You can't like hang out in the cross for like a month beforehand, right? That's see, that's the good thing because uh, um, we have a lot of guys that that have too much paid time off apparently. And uh, <laughs> when 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 I got up to Lake Vermilion. Um, there last year there was uh, one of the guys on our team he's like i've been here for 13 days I said, 13 days holy cow so i guess to be you know it's, it's tough to compete with uh, guys who you know have every rock memorized on the you know on all them different bodies of water there uh you know so it's kind of nice that they did level the playing field a yeah. bit um in a way, uh, you know, it'll help a lot of guys because a lot of guys, they, they're history fishers and that actually hurts them more than it helps them, you know, to, uh, you know, to be there that amount of time. But some guys who know how to, some guys who know how to utilize that time and, and make the right decisions when it comes to game day, those are going to be, those are your better anglers. Those are your anglers who, you know, it's not just a one day. Oh yeah. I had one good day and I'm moving on. It's three days and you got to duke it out for three days and uh, you got to make decisions and make it happen. And up at Lake Vermilion is Eric storms. I mean, he put together three phenomenal days and dang near won the whole tournament. And uh, so he was, he was dialed in and he made a, made the right adjustments, had an area where he was, he was uh, catching largemouth, and his fish were there for him. Um, and uh, but he put his time in. That's the thing, you know. He was there, put his time in, and he was rewarded. So yeah. um, this That's time, fun. you know, you, you just never know. I mean, you got three days to try and figure it out. I'm gonna go. Uh, my buddy Dinger and I, we're gonna run down and and spend a couple days there here in a couple weeks. I think sure. uh, what next weekend, maybe next weekend before the cutoff. And uh, just kind of cruise around, burn gas, just try and figure out like navigation there is, man, navigation there is pretty wild in some areas. <laughs> so uh, hopefully I come back with a lower unit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Funny thing is, so Eric started on a hump every morning that was about 200 yards from the dock that, of the cabin I was staying at. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> so when, uh, I, when I made the day three cut and I talked to the guys and they're like, yeah, that South Dakota guy, he was right there. And he caught like 16 pounds in the morning. And then <laughs> I was like, wow, guess that was right under our nose and we didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. Eric's, well, a, good, Eric's a good dude. Almost my entire practice chasing what I thought would be the Holy Grail on the west side of that lake for almost the entire practice. Mm. And then basically just went and fished other stuff during the tournament. Like, I spent all my time searching all these, like, remote places looking for a mix of shallow largemouth and smallies that would be, uh, I was hoping to find, like, a couple stretches, uh, like, where I could hit, like, one each day and cash in, you know, and get, like, 17, 18 pounds each day. Right. And I never found yep. it. And I basically just scrapped it all and started over again in the tournament. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Thomas, yeah. Horseshoe might not be the best choice if you want a South Dakota record. I don't know. I think there's better places. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, Horseshoe, you know, Horseshoe is, it's hit and miss, but I, I still believe there is a state record in there right now. Um, it's got a ton of pressure on it ever since lyle caught that fish in there and actually you know it's kind of crazy because i've been fishing it since about 2007 2008 and it it has gotten just pummeled it really has it was it used to be a lake where you could go to and be the only boat there the whole entire day and uh you know we had a couple small club tournaments on it and we'd be the only boats there. It might be one other guy come in with a tin boat and, you know, try and catch some walleye. Um, but we had several, you know, several times there up until maybe about 2014-ish, 2015, right in there. All of a sudden, you know, and then 2016 when Lyle caught that record, um, you know, it just, I mean, we had – you know, you had guys like Milliken coming up and hitting, mm-hmm. getting on YouTube all over. And next thing you know, you'd show up and you'd have out-of-state plates from everywhere. And it's like, this is a tiny little lake. This is not, you know, this isn't Malax or, yeah. you know, some, some you know, large, huge lake. This is like a puddle jumper lake, but it's got giant fish in it, you know. So I, re- I think there's still some sevens in there. Um, is there a state record? There very well could be. Is there more seven pounders in Oahu right now? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh huh. They're a little more spread out too. <laughs> yeah, they, they spread out. And Lake Sharp, you know, Lake Sharp's another one that people, you know, people don't hear about. You know, Lake Sharp is the pool down from Oahu, um, and that one's got some. That one's got some big fish in it. I was just, you know, my buddy Dinger, he was out. Uh, just this past weekend and him and his, you know, him and his buddy that he went with, um, they caught a six and a half pounder, you know, out of Lake Sharp and um, Lake Sharp, somebody speared, what was it? The, the actual South Dakota state record smallmouth that was speared was out of Lake Sharp. It was like eight pounds. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's, there's big ones in there. They dodge all the walleye anglers. They, them walleye guys, they really like to, uh, they like to load the boat and uh, hit the cleaning stations with with a bunch of walleye and then supplemented brownfish. So <laughs> we got a lot of a lot of meat hunters in that part of the state. Um, but the river, thankfully, the river is the size it is. Otherwise, it wouldn't hold up. Yeah, I couldn't imagine eating a five pound plus smallie. Like that just can't even be good. Oh, they do it all the time, all the time. I mean, like 
a 12 to 14 inch small is probably delicious but like yep. <laughs> anything over yep. four pounds just sounds disgusting like just yeah yeah gross yeah, yeah. but dim yeah the state record was seven three and now it's seven four seven four and a half i think uh, uh just caught uh 12 days ago by uh by troy here uh look lyle's here what's up lyle yeah there he is the former record holder he's probably gonna get hungry he's probably sharpening the hooks on his alabama rig and getting ready for april <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah he uh he messaged me uh he messaged me after i caught it and told me congrats and i was uh, i was kind of curious if he was he was getting I tagged ready him to... in your facebook post as soon as i saw it Oh, did you? <laughs> he probably had his he probably had his bags packed, and he was uh, he was headed back out. He was headed back out to see what he could do. Maybe Lyle has like a Google alert. He might have it like set up on his phone. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, too funny. Former Nebraska angler Steve Basinger checking in. Thank you. Oh, hey Steve. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he moved away. I can't remember where he moved to, he moved but to, he's like, uh, Illinois or something. Yeah, yeah. The, he's in the in the military, supporting uh, supporting us. I have not seen Castledine's latest video. Uh, sounds like they're still catching them. Plenty of shots about Randy Blockett in the chat. That's always funny. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Randy can take the heat. Um, cool. So uh, I don't know what what else is. So you got the lacrosse coming up. What else is going on? If people have questions for Troy or about smallmouth, uh, let's let's run through those. Kind of open it up. If anybody's got any questions, the chat's been had its own conversations going on. There hasn't been a lot of questions, but if anybody's got any questions for um troy or myself next week i will be down at wabashop pool four on the river um for our state bass nation state tournament so um excited for that um hoping to get on some good some good bites maybe some frog bites maybe some smallies we'll see um what made green lake so tough um i made green lake tough on myself i'll be honest i went in with the mentality hoping to get on a shallow smallmouth bite like i'm sure you got lakes out there troy where in you know bright sunny days and smallmouth get a little silly and they come up in like three four feet of water and get on shallow boulders and mm-hmm. you can stock them and, and play with them and you know if it, you can you can put together a huge bag doing that mm-hmm. um and uh green lakes not a huge lake but it's a decent sized lake and i was only going to have like a day and a quarter uh to pre-fish and i thought well I, and i'd never really been there before so i was like i'm gonna go out there and test the shallow bite and see if i can make that work because i probably can't outlearn all these guys uh in a day that i've fished it a bunch of times so i thought i'm a pretty decent shallow angler i'm hold my own and i and i got a couple i got like three or four three to four pound bites the first night in like two hours and i was like i'm all in and I spent the entire next day marking shallow boulders and shaking off fish and catching a few. And I found one weed spot where I could catch a quick limit for largemouth in the morning. So I was like, I'm going to catch a quick limit, you know, put eight, 10 pounds in the boat. So then I can just be like, I got five and then I can just like focus. Right. Yep. So day one, caught my limit, 
eight, nine pounds, spent six hours fishing for smallies and caught one that weighed one pound, three ounces. Uh, oh. I was very stubborn. I stuck to it. Like I stuck to my guns and uh, didn't go. I spent the last hour. I got up to like 10 pounds, went back to the same spot, caught a few more largemouth. Day two did the same thing, rinse and repeat, didn't adjust. And uh, I basically, the way I practiced, I didn't allow myself to any wiggle room to get out of that. So mm-hmm. um, that's what went down. <laughs> and the guys that uh, caught him were live scoping on the brakes. Okay. Thank you, Sean, for the super chat. That's awesome. Uh, but we're never getting a proper visor. Because, like, if you had a sweet trucker hat like this one, why would you cut the top off? Right? <laughs> I mean, this, uh, the memory. Uh, I still have, like, the, the, the insert, like, the, the, the paperboard in there. Nice. You didn't have any of that free old Milwaukee when we were there, did you? Did you uh, no, no, I, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't visit the tent. No, nope, I Such didn't. That's a good kid, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, he is going to be at Boji. He will be there. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. Um, any other so you got uh, any other big tournaments coming up besides lacrosse or is it like that's your big next thing or what else you got going on this fall? Yeah. So I got three big ones left. Um, well, I shouldn't say big, but I mean, they're, uh, they're important tournaments. Um, I got Boji coming up. That's the, that's the semifinal. That is, uh, that's September. I got lacrosse coming up in September. Um, that's the Bass Nation regional and then i have one state championship left on the on the bass side of things that mm-hmm. i need to uh i need to get my rear and gear for because i stubbed my toe a bit at the at the first one we do two state championships in the state of south dakota on the bass nation side and um so yeah i think i'm like um what am i i'm like there's like a crazy tie for like fourth or fifth place i think there's like four or five guys tied for uh for fourth or fifth place so we'll uh i'm I'm gonna have to make sure i'm on my a game for that one that that's at lake sharp so that that could be interesting you know late i think it's i want to say it's like late september like three or three or four it's like the third or fourth weekend in September. So that could be interesting. Those fish could be, I mean, it could be all over the place. Um, a lot of times they'll get on the West Bend flats. That can be pretty good. Um, if they're pulling current, there could be a lot of current fish position on current. There could be some stubborn drop shot fish left. Um, you know, you just go out and burn a rattle trap for eight hours a day. So awesome. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, it was cool. I met Eric down at, at Pickwick, so that was cool. Uh, got to talk to him a little bit down there. He's a cool dude. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, uh, yeah, he, unfortunately, he just lost his dad here just, uh, I think, last, about a week ago, maybe, actually, probably about 10 days ago. So, uh, man, you're in you're in our thoughts and prayers, Eric. Um, cheering you on. Wish you the best, dude. Um, tough, tough times, but um, better times ahead. Better times ahead. Good memories. Um, glad, uh, glad I got to meet your dad. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Shout out Eric. 
Um, so what? Yeah, what's what are your hot baits right now besides the Ned Rake as you go into fall? Sean what is my rotation of baits? Oh man. Um, so there's a lot of factors there on the river. I guess let's let's go with the let's go with the river because um, sure. it it'll change majorly if we're on a lake somewhere. <laughs> Um, or chasing green fish for that matter. Um, rotation of baits, you know, really? So I try and keep a, a pretty open mind when it comes to that because I've, I've found that I can really get caught in a rut and just throw the same thing over and over. I know I can catch fish on a drop shot like pretty much anywhere. Um, but I want to challenge myself a little bit to... Um, I, I like to push myself a little bit to try and make sure that I'm not history fishing, um, history fishing, not necessarily spots, but history fishing baits. So, um, I try to really key in on what the, what the fish are, are telling me. I know it sounds weird, but, um, you can learn a lot just by spending some time out, not even fishing, just kind of cruising around. And, you know, if you see like all of a sudden you see a, a whole school of bait you know some shad or something flickering on the surface you know like hey you know maybe maybe like a like a rattle trap just burning burning through those you know through those schools um maybe uh maybe maybe you throw uh, a tube um that's a big thing on on the river you can throw a tube and those when that tube is sinking down that's a lot of times when the fish will grab it um, and then there's a lot of different things you can do within that, you know, say like a tube and a trap, you can go from a, you know, as light as a quarter ounce trap. So you're riding high in the column, throwing tiny little traps, or you can get, you know, a seven eighths ounce or a one ounce trap and uh, long bomb that thing way, you know, 80, 80 yards out there, 90 yards out there, and just make a real, real long cast and get that bait down in the column. So you can adjust your, you know, adjust your retrieve to reflect the depth that the, that you think the fish are at. With tubes, you can do the same thing. So you can throw like, you can throw a gets it tube. You can throw a two and a half inch tube um, on, you know, on say like a eighth ounce, on an eighth ounce weight. I did that in 2011. That's how I won, you know, my very first state championship was throwing a little tiny, a little tiny gets it tube with like an eighth ounce, an eighth ounce weight. And, um, you know, it, it, and this last event I was at, I was throwing a half ounce, a half ounce tube. Uh, and, and the tube was a magnum tube. It was like a four and a half inch magnum tube, but they wanted that rate of fall, that faster rate of fall because the bait fish were, you know, they were moving. And so it didn't give them, you know, it didn't give them fish a lot of time to think. The other thing you can do with, with, you know, alternating baits like that, you know, throwing a, throwing a four and a half inch magnum tube. Um, I wasn't catching, I wasn't catching two pounders. If you were going to catch a fish, it was going to be three, it was going to be at least three, three and a half pounds or bigger. Um, so you can start to, especially on a lake like Oahe or any, really anywhere on the Missouri river, um, you know, sizing your baits to, you know, if you can throw a tube all day, a magnum tube all day, um, it's kind of like, it's almost like committing to a swim bait. Like a lot of times you're throwing a swim bait or even like a frog, you're committing to a bait like that. You're probably, you probably, you might only get like five to 10 bites a day, but those are going to be the right bites that are going to get you, you know, up in the, you know, they're going to get you, going to get you a good bag at the scales. So, um, 
rotation of baits, I, I try not to just like have one rotation, you know, but I mean, I always have a drop shot tied on. I always have a Ned rig tied on, but I always like, I'm kind of i I'm kind of a, uh, I like to investigate things a little bit. I probably think about things a little, a little bit too much when I go to, when I'm supposed to be sleeping, I'm thinking like, okay, what can I, what can, what, what kind of bait can I modify or conjure up that I can throw something new that nobody else is doing? <laughs> He's like waking up at four in the morning. Like I got to find a five XD. I think that's going to be the deal. <laughs> you just never know. You're you like, know? honey, I'll be right back, but I got to go tie on this crankbait left again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've done that too. Where you know, like, I'll just have so much stuff running through my mind. I got to write it down. And, um, you know, it's, uh, oh, funny. You got DeForest on here. One of the bass tank guys. That's cool. How's it going DeForest? Yeah. What's up, man? Thanks I, for joining in. I, uh, I met him when I went down. Um, I, I visited them guys back down in the spring and DeForest was one of the guys in the shop there filling guys, you know, filling people's orders. And, uh, so that's cool. Thanks for joining. Um, but yeah, no, I really don't. I really don't have like one set of baits. And you can even ask like, I'm an absolute, I'm an absolute trip in the boat. I mean, I got, I got twenty at any time. I got like twenty-two or twenty-four rods that I run with. I got like seven or eight spinning rods, and then I'm, you know, and then I got like fifteen or sixteen bait casters, and they're all rigged up and ready to rock and roll. I, I'll stay up till like eleven o'clock, eleven thirty the night before a tournament, and uh, just tie a bunch of weird stuff on because oh you might you, you never know you know you might run into a situation where well gosh i wish i had a spoon tied on but in a tournament you're not gonna take the time like oh i'm gonna tie on a spoon because I, I wonder if they'd hit this you know you kind of got your baits that you're like i know what i can catch fish on and this is what i'm gonna stick to but unless you're really struggling and you you gotta throw a you know you gotta throw something else at them but yeah, i'm kind of the same way like i might look like i'm dialed on the right like three or four rods on the deck but in the rod locker there are like 20 more rods that are rigged for like every <laughs> scenario in the world <laughs> yeah um, it's, uh i i get that a lot why you, you got how many rods do you have uh, uh, um well i mean i got yet you, you really need that many like well i'm how many shoes you got? How many pairs of shoes you got? <laughs> like, Would you play a golf club with a seven iron? Would you play a whole course? No. I mean, right, right. <laughs> uh, so when you're talking about tubes, is it all like exposed tubes? Is that kind of what you guys do out there on the river? Just yeah, we we do. We, uh, you know, we just do the open hook tube. A lot of guys throw the, you know, the football head, you know, the football head jig inside the, inside the tube. Um, that's that's the majority of it you know there's not a lot of the not a lot of like the not a lot of wood so there's not a lot of or a lot of vegetation so there's not really a need to be you know texas rig or stupid tubing or anything like that but yeah uh i think that you, you mentioned that you caught the record on a dobbins are all your rods dobbins and yeah Yep, I throw um, predominantly Dobbins. I've, you know, I'm uh, I'm sponsored by by Dobbins, sponsored by Luz as well, um, and I so I've 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 taken on some of the um, some of the Luz rods as well, just more so to educate myself on what they offer, um, more so on the ultralight side. So actually, I got we wife and I have two little girls, and you know we do a fair amount of pan fishing in the late fall. 
And so I have some ultralight setups, you know, some of the stuff that Luz offers in the ultralights that, that, um, you know, that, that, and I don't feel so bad if, a you know, a 30 or $40 rod gets broke versus a $200 rod. <laughs> so, I, actually got, I actually got a couple of the Colt panfish rods. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. I haven't. I got a couple Colts, but I don't have any of the panfish ones yet. So I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to get on the saddle and and check them out. Them were them uh, just released last year, eh, two years ago maybe. Two two years ago, okay. Yeah, and then but, the, let's see. Uh, Sean had one more question. He said, "Where do you like to start with your drop shot leader? What's what's what you're like? Where do you, do you do you like let the bait what you see in the screen dictate, or do you just like start at a foot or two feet, or what? How do you approach like yeah. setting that leader?" Yeah. So like on lakes where, um, on lakes where you have a lot of bait fish, I've learned that predominantly the smallies are, or the bass are feeding up. So if I'm on a body of water and they have a lot of bait fish, I will, and, and, and I'm throwing a bait fish mimicking plastic on my drop shot. I'll go as long as three foot on my leader. Um, and then, you know, um, I just kind of experiment and play around uh, from there. But a lot of times, you know, I there's times where I don't even know if it even matters. But I've found that, you know, it for me, what seems to work better is that longer leader. If there's if there's lakes that have a lot of bait fish or a river that has a lot of bait fish, that longer leader for me is, is, uh, kind of where I start. And if I can't get much going on that, I'll experiment and you can always shorten it. You can never really add length to it very, very easily. So, <laughs> but good question. General, longer and then shorten it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Who's Duncan? Uh, I don't know. It depends on the lake, bigger bass in the mats or deep. I don't know that all body of water specific yeah yep yep either or i mean that's uh i assume he's he's talking um i assume he's talking large mouth but it's really gonna depend on the time of year and it's really gonna depend on what the bluegill are doing yeah absolutely <clears throat> but, but if i had my choice i'd prefer to catch him out of a mat yeah <laughs> uh you're, you're probably the opposite. You'd probably rather catch them on a drop shot in 20 feet of water. Yeah, I I mean, I've, I mean, being on the Missouri River a lot, just, I mean, that is, it's pretty tough to beat sometimes. You get, when you get them going on that drop shot, the light, light line and tactics, I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's a few like oddball things that, that I like to do, mix it up every once in a while. Spy baiting is one of the things that, um, you know, it, it, can be pretty deadly if you get on you know if you get the right day where things are pretty tough your other tactics aren't working you throw that spy bait out and and start getting bit on it something the fish haven't seen you know are you getting up an area that's been beat up for a day or two and you drag out the spy bait and and uh you can and you can do pretty well uh finesse cranks sometimes throwing a real small crankbait that's another thing that you know, you can just change change some things up. Just keep uh-huh. keep milling around. If you know you're in the right area and you know there's fish in the area, just keep trying tactics. Right on. Well, it seems like we've answered almost everybody's question. If you guys came late, definitely catch the replay on Facebook or YouTube wherever you're watching it. 
Uh, we go in depth on how the, the the story and the lowdown of how Troy caught the record just like two weeks ago. Uh, so make sure you catch that. Uh, if you'd prefer, you can search Hellabass on your favorite podcast app and listen to it while you're driving to the lake or, or walking the dog or whatever you do. And uh, uh, and shout out to Tim and Sean for basically having their own show in the chat this afternoon. Uh, like, they're just like lit and lighting it up. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't keep up. So if they were asking questions, I'm sorry. I probably missed a bunch of them. But yeah, if they were just chatting with each other, having a, yeah. having a word, word yeah. battle. Yeah, so thanks for coming on, Troy. I don't know if there's anything else you want to shout out or mention, but uh, don't want to keep you all night. I got plenty of stuff to get done before I take off for another week of fishing myself. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate all the, your, uh, all the fans joining on. Thanks, guys. Um, go catch some fish, tight lines to you. Yeah, and hopefully somehow I get to see you in lacrosse. So. It could happen. It could it happen. It could happen still. So, so <laughs> we can say prayers for... Uh, Eric's dad and his family, but we can also say prayers and try to get Halibass into the Northern Divisional. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'd like to see you there. Uh, nice. Well, uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, uh, like, comment, subscribe, and uh, always here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. See you guys. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of the Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.